we go. Beautiful. So I've just clicked the recording button and I'm introducing the topic today of complex tinnitus. And I want to really put the spotlight on how neuroplasticity gives us hope, gives us a really solid science-based educational platform to understand why there are neural signals coming or passing between our ears and our brain and our body and why there's an error message going on, why is it not naturally resolving, and what can I do to create new neural pathways that are normalized and feel comforting for me? Because the reality is, is, is that the sensations themselves are not the problem. You know, if we, if we go back to using an example of feeling a dizziness sensation, some people actually enjoy feeling dizzy and they will pay money to go on a roller coaster or take drugs that create that sense of floating and dizzy feeling because they really want that sensory cluster. They enjoy it. Other people will pay thousands of dollars to get rid of it. They don't like that sensation. So part of it is personality and preference. And so part of the neuroplasticity process is actually changing our relationship to the sensations that we're, we're sensing, we're feeling, we're hearing, and we want to change the emotional relationship in particular. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about trauma patterns because from a brain point of view, we're constantly seeking reassurance. We're constantly seeking safety, belonging, acceptance. And if you wind the clock all the way back to our tribal ancestors, you know, we couldn't survive. We are very vulnerable on our own, you know, in order to find food, water, shelter, procreation, family, social engagement, social connection. We need other people. We need a roof over our head. We need food. We need a sense of predictability, certainty, safety. So there's structures in the brain that are looking for emotional connection, social and peer connection. We're looking for certainty, predictability, security, comfort, safety. So if you think about the brain as having different regions, different specializations, um, it's much more than just there's a, a hearing center and there's a balance center or there's a visual center or there's a touch center. It's much more complicated than that. We have these, you can think of them as almost filter systems or bounces. I think about going into a nightclub and there's a bouncer at the door and the bouncers checking your age, checking that you're suitable for entering the room. Is the room too full? Are there too many people? Do we need to start having people line up and wait? Is the person too young? Is the person affected by drugs or alcohol and therefore not suitable for entry? So we have these sort of bouncer and filter mechanisms in the brain. So as neural messages are coming perhaps from the ears, from the ear system, through the brainstem, midbrain, and into the hearing cortex, there could be messages or, or filter systems in the brain saying, I think this is life-threatening. I think this is a big deal. And I think we should really obsess about this sound or this thing until we sort it out because it might kill us and we might die. So the brain is making an assumption, which is not based on fact, that this could be life-threatening and a big deal. So right up front, I want to say, the sounds in our body are never going to hurt us. Tinnitus sounds from all of these conditions are very, very safe and you can live with them forever with absolutely 
no emotional distress and no physical duress. So it's more the fact that we think they might hurt us. So the reason that's kind of sensible, and we, we call it a negativity bias in that the brain's looking for threats, it's looking for things that might um, challenge our survival, is that if if we don't have this negativity bias and we're super relaxed about everything, we become much more vulnerable to the elements, to predators, to 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 all the sort of threats around us in the world. So the negativity bias is useful to a point. We want to be aware. So from, from the point of view of any form of complex tinnitus or hearing loss, we want to have that first awareness of something's not quite right. I'm not hearing the same. There's new noises. They're changing. They're rumbling. They're pinging. They're popping. My ears feel pressure or I feel pain. I feel tension. It makes really good sense to go see a specialist, a doctor to get medical clearance. Um, great. Just checking in here. So the first point of call is to take that seriously and say, my body's giving me a signal here. I don't understand it. I don't know what it means. Let's get medical clearance. Now I'm fairly confident that pretty much everybody in this group will have already done that and had medical clearance. And to some extent, there's probably been a traumatic experience, potentially a feeling diminished, feeling dismissed, feeling misunderstood, feeling like there's no cure, there's no help, nothing, nothing, you know, it's a little bit dead ended and we can end up feeling like psychiatric patients. Um, and those of you who know me will know I've had tinnitus, I've had vertigo, I've had dizziness, I've had anxiety, I've had the isolation and all of those things. Someone's just popped in a question, is tinnitus in the brain or the ear? So what I want to do is to talk a little bit about this, talk a little bit about what it is. Um, tinnitus is actually healthy and normal. 90% of people can perceive sounds in their ears. But when, when, when we're aware of it, not worried about it, the brain filters it out because instead of saying, I'm hearing this sound and it's coming through that brain filter to be registered by the brain, to be interpreted by the auditory cortex in the brain, instead of it going through the filter of life-threatening danger, I'm worried about this pathway, it goes through the boring, unhelpful, fine, safe, secure brain pathway where there's no neural emphasis, the, the brain effectively acknowledges it's there and just ignores it. And it's not amplified and it's brought out of our awareness. And this happens very naturally most of the time with things like fridge noises or insect noises or traffic passing or trains. There's a natural filter that the brain acknowledges they're safe sounds. They're not meaningful. They're not helpful. I don't need to amplify them. Once we start to get very paranoid about sound and worried about them and we're scared that they could hurt us or damage our ears because we have these sound sensitivities or a disorder in loudness perception, etc., such as hyperacusis, acoustic shock injury, noise-induced hearing loss, tinnitus, misophonia, otonic tense or tympani syndrome, that's when the brain can start to overanalyze, obsess, and become overly focused on basically having the misunderstanding that there's a problem and there's probably not a problem. The medical investigation is clear. That's what medical clearance means. Um, so there's no disease present. 
there's no need for imminent removal of a tumor or something there's medical clearance but we've got this really unhelpful reaction and response to sounds that are bothering us so we want to talk a little bit about what's going on sometimes the sounds in our ears will be a sign that perhaps there's a stroke coming so there's a change in blood flow and capillary action so the doctors will diagnose stroke and that will become the medical management Sometimes there'll be an acoustic neuroma or a vestibular schwannoma, which are tumors along the hearing nerve that will be identified, diagnosed and treated. So for many of these conditions, we're not getting that level of clarity and diagnosis. So it can be very discombobulating. Um, great. So let's take a breath. I do have a picture to show you and I'm just going to share my screen. And I'll try a new screen share, this one. Great. So if in the chat box, if you could just let me know that you can see this lovely picture of the ear. This was a, an illustration done for our book. Yeah, for the Rocksteady book. Someone said, can you please enable closed captions here today? I actually don't know how to do that. I'll have a quick look. I don't know how to do that on the fly, but there will be a transcript of this recording that you can read and listen to in the replay if that's helpful. So I'm sorry about that. So tinnitus is probably more accurately described as coming from the brain. That was a question someone just, just asked. The sounds can be generated from the ear. And if you have a look here, this is the outer ear. And we've got the ear canal. So if you want, you can just stick your finger in your ear canal and that's your outer ear. You can hold on to your outer ear. And then you've got your ear canal where you might get some wax build up in there, which is healthy and normal. Then you, you move towards the eardrum and the eardrum is connected to the three little inner ear bones, the malleus, incus and stapes. And then they're, they're vibrating in a beautiful little lever system and they tap upon the inner ear, the cochlea, and they move fluid around so that we can identify a variety of hearing sounds. This is all mechanics at this point. And those fluid vibrations now will be sent along the hearing nerve toward the brain where we interpret them. So basically, if we have any nerve damage here, that means that the, the vibration messages at the ear are not arriving at the brain because the pathway is is severed blocked cut damaged then we won't hear anything so the hearing is really occurring in the brain the vibration collection of sounds in our environment both within the body and outside of the body are collecting here in the ear and those vibrations are being transmitted along neural pathways from the inner ear through the brainstem through the midbrain and up into the auditory cortex so the tinnitus sounds the vibrations themselves are being collected in the ear and they're being sent along neural pathways where they're being interpreted at higher levels of the brain. And that's where we find meaning. So it does, it's not just a sound, it becomes a door knock or it's interpreted as a footstep or a sentence or music. So people have tinnitus starting from different places. It's not directly related to hearing loss. Some people with hearing loss will have absolutely no perception of tinnitus. And some people with normal hearing will have very severe tinnitus. So I'll say that again. 
Some people with hearing loss will have no tinnitus and no perception of sounds, even though there's changes and damages to their hearing system. They'll have no tinnitus. And some people with normal hearing and a normal cochlea, normal inner ear, normal neural pathways and nerve pathways will have very severe, bothersome, dramatic tinnitus. Yeah. All right. So what I might do is I'm going to put a little pause here on the chat box so we can all stay together. Yeah, good. Great. We've got. Thanks for understanding about the captions and I'll look into that for future calls. So what I want to talk a little bit about is just to remind you, if we go back to talking about the major topics, so tinnitus can be generated from sound vibrations that are coming from within the body. We can actually begin to hear our heartbeat. We can begin to hear actually muscles moving and bones cracking and muscles, especially around the jaw and neck. A little bit like if you're digesting food, you eat a big bowl of spaghetti and you can hear your stomach gurgling, like the body is literally mechanically making sounds that nobody else can hear, but we can hear. And that has a word called autophony, but it's kind of another form of tinnitus that that's these internal body sounds that are very subtle and very quiet, but we can hear them. And, you know, if you were just to stick your fingers in your ear now and move your jaw around or, um, you know, eat a peanut, you would, you would hear all those sounds within your body. And that's because they're internal vibrations that you're creating that are then passing up into your brain. And, and they're very easily perceived because we're so close to them. You know, it's a proximity thing. Other tinnitus sounds are not necessarily coming from mechanical movement or mechanical shifts in the body, but they're coming from pathways somewhere between the inner and the brain, brain that are overemphasized. So they're overactive neural pathways and for whatever reason the brain and body have decided it's important to focus on those pathways to enhance them to emphasize them and to make them very prominent in our conscious awareness now what happens with neuroplasticity is we learn to listen and respond to the body and we learn how to maximize whoa oh it's my my watch sorry about that um, when we use neuroplasticity, which is our capacity to change and adapt our neural synapses and neural pathways, and I explain this in, in detail in my book, and then the Rocksteady program really teaches you how to harness this capacity, is we learn to maximize the pathways we want. So we might want to feel centered. We might want to feel connected to ourselves. We, we might want to feel supported, open courageous, adventurous. We might have these sort of qualities that we want in ourselves, but we're so distracted by the sensitivity to sound or the tinnitus noises and sounds that are bothering us or the noises in our environment that are creating an emotional reactions in misophonia and very bothersome, that we're so distracted by all these unwanted, unpleasant experiences that, that we sort of lose a sense of ourselves. So for some of my clients, it's actually relatively common that they've forgotten joy. They've forgotten how to spend time with themselves and feel like they're their own best friend and that they're comforted and that they can just spend time in quiet on their own. Life can become a rigmarole of avoidance 
we can end up in fight, flight and freeze, which brings us towards the conversation of trauma and how trauma affects the nervous system. And the nervous system is all those nerves communicating between our ears, our brain and our body. So the tonic tensor tympani syndrome theory is actually coming back to this trauma story that if we have a look here in the, in the middle ear on the screen, um, I don't know if I can get a, I'm looking at the cock, they've got the outer ear, the ear canal, the eardrum. We've got those three little, little um, inner ear bones. They have very small muscles and tendons in there. And when we're exposed to loud sounds, we get a startle reflex and the body very cleverly tightens the eardrum and stops too much transfer of sound vibration into the ear system. So it's a protective mechanism to dampen sound and it puts stress upon the middle ear system. It stiffens it up and it tries to inhibit so many vibrations passing through into the cochlea. So it's healthy and it's protective. In tonic tensor tympani syndrome, triple TS, that reflex is overactive and occurring too often, which can lead to ear fullness, pain, pressure, sounds, cracking, popping, dizziness, vertigo. So we start to have a, a little bit of a, a dysfunction beginning, even though it's a really healthy mechanism. So the body is overly fighting, flighting or freezing. It's deciding, I don't like what's happening. I don't feel safe. Something's not quite right here. And it's making an incorrect judgment, an incorrect assumption that by tightening that ear system, it will somehow protect us. So we're being, we're now sort of going from it being healthy and helpful in a moment when there's a very loud, sudden sound to it being overactive, dysfunctional and annoying in daily life. And so part of what we need to do is to retrain those muscles and tendons and that system to come back into comfort, reassurance, to relax into a state of optimal neural firing. So what we're talking about here is regulating the nervous system. And that's part of the Rocksteady process. It's part of learning to use neuroplasticity. And it's a huge part of recovery, regardless of what your diagnosis is regardless of what your symptoms are and how they present. So I just wanted to give you a little graphic of the inner ear and talk about how we're collecting sound vibrations. They're passing through the outer ear, middle ear and inner ear. The sound vibrations turn into fluid vibrations that travel through neural impulses and neural synaptic connections through to the brain. And what we're doing with neuroplasticity is we're changing the interpretation of those vibrations that are traveling through to the brain. We want to move them from the dangerous life-threatening category, which they're not, they are very safe. So they shouldn't be in that category. And we want to shift those vibration sounds into the boring, unhelpful, irrelevant category where the brain really diminishes them, weakens that signal and effectively turns the noise off. And it's no longer in our awareness. So we don't hear them anymore. So it becomes, it goes from being a big deal, dramatic, debilitating, and very psychologically distressing to no big deal, to much softer, to weaker, to eventually it dissolves and disappears. And it might pop up and down in weekly or monthly life, but it's no longer a, a worry or a persistent threat. So we're actually retraining the nervous system 
to go from fight, flight and freeze, which I talk about more in the Rocksteady program or in my integrating trauma program. Just briefly, fight, flight and freeze, a healthy, natural, normal nervous system, protective and defense mechanisms so that when we're out in the world and if we feel we're in danger and our life is threatened and our survival is questionable, we will look at the situation and look at, do I need to run? Which means we tighten up our muscles, we get the oxygen coming in and we get ready to flee. Do I need to fight? So again, I get my muscles ready to, to, to grip, to contract and to move toward the threat in an aggressive manner, questioning, problem solving, um, you know, trying to sort it out in a very forceful way. Or do we freeze, which means we sort of fake dead, we go very quiet, we drop, we drop our senses, we stop digesting our food and we, we go into more of a collapsed sleep state. And in some situations, fight, flight, and freeze could be very useful for a temporary period of time. But if we're suddenly living life and we've got a job interview tomorrow and we go into fight, flight, freeze, we don't need to run. We don't need to fight. And it's not helpful to freeze. So we need strategies and tools to identify, okay, I'm actually feeling really, really nervous about my job interview tomorrow. I need some skills and tools to comfort myself, to reassure myself and to bring my nervous system back into that optimal firing where I'm regulated, I'm centered, I'm grounded and I'm able to meet this challenge or this unpleasant conversation or this difficult environment without my nervous system getting flooded and dysregulated, which means my sensory system is really discombobulated and the messages no longer make sense. And I end up feeling like I'm living in a life-threatening situation almost in all the time that the, the, the system never regulates. So it's a lot of information. Um, I just wanted to pop on, I'm going to change this screen share again and I'm back. I'm going to open up the chat box again. I'll go over here. This is from your email. You've already read these. But I just thought you could see it in writing. I thought it might help, especially for those of you with hearing loss, which brings me to hearing loss. I wanted to also talk about what is, how is neuroplasticity or the Rocksteady program and peer support group going to help someone with hearing loss? First of all, when it comes to permanent hearing loss and permanent damage, again, we, we start with that negative negativity bias of what's going wrong. Am I dying? I want to check this out and that's healthy. So we, we get medical clearance, we see an audiologist, we talk about our options and all of that is a really healthy, sensible and smart way to listen to your body, listen to your sensations and signals and to act proactively, take care of yourself. What we don't want to do is to become paranoid and obsessed about the sounds we're missing or the things we're losing out on in conversation because that can then become a psychological layer that makes it very hard for us to socially engage with people. We can lose trust in ourselves. We're, we're questioning everything we're hearing. We can become aggressive and look at people like this, like we're concentrating really hard and it can become a little bit socially unpleasant. So neuroplasticity comes in, in that it helps us live with the reality of whatever our residual function is, whatever residual hearing we have access to. We can't magically grow new neurons or repair permanently damaged neural pathways but there is so much redundancy there is literally trillions 
of synaptic connections available in the brain that even when there's huge areas of damage we can build new areas right beside it that that take over that job and start to relearn adapt and change so this is neuroplasticity so when we have hearing loss we're actually learning how to best use the remaining jigsaw puzzle so what do I mean by that if you think about a piano where you've got low sounds and middle sounds and high sounds some people will have patchy hearing where they'll be missing perhaps some high sounds or missing some middle of the road sounds or missing some some low sounds. Um, and some people will be, will be missing a little of the whole spectrum. So yes, we can use hearing aids to help give us that added volume and added clarity. And on top of that, we can also acknowledge that part of the soundscape we're missing. It's like a jigsaw puzzle missing pictures. So yes, that's annoying and yes, that's suboptimal. And yes, that there's grief involved. There's, there's, a, there's a loss. And so the neuroplasticity process gives us the capacity to emotionally move through that change, come to a place of acceptance and kindness and, and loving warmth toward ourselves and to shift away from the paranoia and obsession or the shame or the anxiety associated with not getting everything. And we can really gently support ourselves to make best use of the residual soundscape that we're actually have access to. So if we, if we think about a visual jigsaw puzzle, there might be certain pieces missing, but do we get enough of the picture to appreciate and understand the general um, scenario, the general vista? So it's about letting go of needing to hear it all. Do I get enough of the sentence to guess? Do I have strategies that help me really gently clarify what I'm hearing and paraphrase or ask someone to look at me while they're talking? So a lot of this comes down to how we treat ourselves, how we give ourselves space and patience and how we regulate our nervous system when we're feeling dysregulated, upset, lost, anxious, isolated, withdrawn, when shame arises, when we feel not good enough, how do I regulate myself, give myself time, patience, love, warmth? And I think the other piece, and I might open the chat box again, and I'd love to hear from my Rocksteady members, any of you who have made it to this call, having peer support and people who understand the struggles and people who are also actively investigating how do I be kinder to myself? How do I give myself space? How do I give myself the best opportunity to connect and to make use of the hearing I have. They're on that journey with you and they're navigating it and they're experimenting. And that can be really good for social belonging, for gathering ideas as a community and for having that motivation in the long time to stick with it so we can actually change our neural pathways in the long term. So it becomes an entirely new way of life. So what could that look like? It could look like we may have hearing loss, we may have a complex form of tinnitus, hyperacusis, acoustic shock injury, a noise-induced condition, misophonia, and actually tonic tensor tympani syndrome can be involved in all of those diagnoses, and that's the tightening of the ear system. In the beginning, what I see in my clients before they start rock steady is they feel diminished, they feel probably a deep sadness that they're not yet connected to. They feel angry. They feel afraid. They feel roadblocked. They feel a bit demoralized and disappointed, helpless, hopeless, powerless. 
their relationships can be breaking down. Their relationship to themselves can be quite difficult, critical, attacking. Um, they may be having trouble sleeping. So therefore there's a loss of vitality. There's lethargy and depression and anxiety can be becoming really big players and really big obstacles. Some of these people will have tried many medications um, and they will have tried many alternative therapies, some even surgeries. So by the time they come to me in the Rock City community, there's a level of what can I do to help make this more gentle for me? There's going to be some things I can control and some things I can't control. How can I learn to understand my brain and my nervous system so I can regulate and have optimal firing more often? How can I come back into me and my body instead of living up here in my head in fear, in anxiety, in what ifs, in stories? How can I come back into my feet, into my hips, into my body and breathe easy? How can I become my own refuge and sanctuary? How can I bring a sense of warm curiosity and interest to myself in my darkest moments? How can I remind myself that I matter? I deeply matter that I'm important to me because all of this changes the way our brain fires. When we're living with a sense of dread and threat as though there is some life-threatening situation that is going to imminently hurt us, when we're living in that situation, the brain and the cortisol levels, the, the hormones that are released, the neurotransmitters that are released, and the brain filter systems are activating, dysregulating, uncomfortable fight, flight, freeze pathways that really, we just end up in these symptom loops where the neurology, the brain, the nervous system is looping around um, in distress. So it's not thinking clearly. There's lots of traffic jams and the sensory overload, the, the sensations that we're sensing, feeling and hearing tend to, ble tend to escalate. So symptoms get louder and worse. We get more sensitive. When we come home and we go, wow, okay, I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm going to hold myself. I'm going to stay with myself. I'm going to have compassion for myself and say, yeah, this is hard. This is really hard. And I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to learn to really come home to my body and pause. I'm going to gently put aside all those stories that I'm dying. And I'm going to start really listening to my body and let my body talk to me. And I'm going to listen. I'm not going to tell my body it shouldn't do this and it shouldn't do that. I'm going to say, okay, yeah, this is hard for you, body. You're afraid. You're really afraid. Well, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I'm learning. I'm learning how to listen to you. I'm learning how to be that voice of reassurance that you trust and you can actually hear. And so part of the rock steady process is developing trust within ourselves. So the brain can actually flick that switch and go, oh, okay. Joey's got me. Joey's holding me. Joey's come home. She's present. She's not living in the future or the past. I don't feel abandoned anymore. This is the body. The body feels abandoned when we're not present to it. We discover our own language. So different participants in the rock steady process will have different strategies, tricks, skills, and tools that help them exhale and really hold themselves and come home to comfort and reassurance. So it's a very personal process, but what happens once we come into that place of loving warmth, curiosity, patience, 
non-judgment, these new brain chemicals fire, new synapses begin to synapse, new regions of the brain activate. Um, and also, once we start to get more creative and less logical, rational, analytical, and judgmental, we start to use more of our right brain and we become less le left brain dominant. Most of the people in my community will be left brain dominant, highly analytical, highly judgmental. They're criticizing themselves. They're critiquing themselves. They're telling themselves that something shouldn't be this way and it should change. And they're really in fight, you know, fight and flight. And we want to activate that right part of the brain. And what that could look like is saying, okay, rather than saying I've got this sound sensitivity and this tinnitus and it's awful and I want to get rid of it. And if you read my book, you'll, you will know that when we focus on getting rid of something, the brain just thinks it's telling us to focus on it and make it more prioritized. So whatever we focus on, the brain gives us more of. So by having that left brain approach of focusing on getting rid of something or telling ourselves it's a problem to fix, we end up getting more of it. We get caught in those symptom loops and those anxiety cycles. As we start to access the right brain, which the Rocksteady program really gives you those skills and tools, we begin to close our eyes, body scan, drop into the body and say, okay, I'm feeling a kind of pink or purple swirling sensation towards the left side of my head. It's spiky, it's unpleasant, it's moving slightly to the left, its volume is changing up and down, and we begin to describe it in a much more creative and non-judgmental way, and we begin to feel it rather than think about it, and we begin to create a relationship to it by feeling it and sensing it in the body with safety, with reassurance, with comfort, that is what helps it shift into that new filter. So the brain and the body and the mind and your presence are actually starting to retrain the brain to say, you know, that pink, fuzzy, spiky, unpleasant feeling, it's not going to hurt us. So we stay more in the right brain, which gives us a lot of tricks to utilize the brain in different ways. Going to open up the chat box. Again, I just thought I would um, pop this up for those of you with hearing loss so you could read just some of the nuts and bolts about tonic tensor tympani syndrome that it's a really normal startle reflex that becomes overactive. And the other piece I'm going to pop on your screen share now is just these are really common symptoms that can happen from the triple TS, from that overactive tonic tensor tympani, from those um, little muscle reflex and tendons. So just to read it out, there's we can have Blockage, pressure, fullness all around the ear, popping or cracking noises, pain, numbness, burning sensations in and or around the ear. If you think about the whole jaw, neck, ear system all being connected, the development, it can lead to um, tinnitus or, or exacerbate pre-existing tinnitus. The triple TS can also result in pain around the jaw or neck, clicking, fluttering sensations, mild vertigo, unsteadiness, dizziness. And then muffled, distorted, muffled or distorted hearing. So these are things that can commonly come and go, and it could be related to this overactive startle reflex, which can then become a trauma cycle. And to reverse that and to come back to our normal steady state, we need to understand how to change those neural patterns that are caught in trauma. We need to understand how to ground ourselves, center ourselves, and stay present in the body with uncomfortable feelings so the brain and the body can actually reanalyze them and reinterpret them and put them through those new filters 
that are associated with it being safe, boring, irrelevant, unhelpful, and therefore it becomes, it basically gets kind of switched off if you want to think about it like a switch. Um, so a lot of people are just saying, you know, for example, I'm just eyeballing the chat box. So many have got tinnitus after COVID. Is it possible from nerve damage? I think it's really important we don't over-focus on the why. You know, the di as long as you've got medical clearance, which means the doctors are really confident you're not imminently going to die from an aggressive tumor, for example, or a stroke. Medical clearance means that the medical world has said, we think you're safe. Your body is good enough. You may or may not get a diagnosis or an understanding of where your tinnitus is originating from right? It's all speculation. And for the purposes of returning to normal and using neuroplasticity, it doesn't matter why you have tinnitus and it doesn't matter where it's starting, where it's coming from, for how long you've had it. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, your comorbidities. You might have many different diagnoses. We are seeing improvements and reduction or resolution of symptoms, regardless of diagnosis, regardless of time since onset. You know, I've seen people with 30 years of symptoms and they resolve it using the Rocksteady process. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, none of this. What matters is that we look at ourselves as a whole person, right? So I'm no longer trying to get rid of my tinnitus or my dizziness, which by the way, I don't have anymore. Mine is completely resolved. The Rocksteady process invites us to actually put the diagnosis aside and to even consider not using those words anymore. And to refer to the body as giving us sensations and signals. Our body is sending us sacred text messages. It's giving us information to help us connect to it. And if we look at ourselves as a whole person, instead of a diagnosis or something that's broken, we access new parts of the brain. We access new levels of compassion and curiosity. And more importantly, we get to focus more on building the neural pathways that we want to strengthen, right? So if we're going to suddenly say to the brain, oh, okay, I've been focusing too much on this sound sensitivity and I've obsessed over it and I've made those pathways really strong because I've just kept focusing there. And now I'm realizing, oops, I've strengthened those neural pathways when they're the exact pathways I wanted to get rid of. So I've, I've gone about it backwards. You need to give the brain a different job. So instead of obsessing over the sound sensitivity or the, the symptoms and the things that are annoying us, as I explain in my book and in my program, we need to begin to give the brain a new job to focus on what we desire to sense and feel, which will probably come back to qualities such as feeling grounded, feeling comforted, feeling centered, feeling accepted, feeling loved. You know, these are the qualities that we want to thrum as the rhythm of our daily life so that every interaction I have, I feel grounded so that every sound I hear, I feel grounded. I feel centered. I feel comforted. I feel belonging. And the Rocksteady process, the Rocksteady program, the Rocksteady community support you to navigate what the heck do I want to feel? I've been so busy focusing on what I don't want and what I don't like and what I want to get rid of that I've forgotten to even ask who I am and what I want in life. And my relationships are breaking down. I don't like my job or I don't have a job. I can't work. I've completely lost my sense of connection to community. I need to start again. 
And so we get this rebirthing experience where we learn to build community, to find non-judgmental supports, to have time with ourselves that's productive and loving and to figure out what do I really want to feel and how can I cultivate that feeling in my body? Because that's different. So I had an email from someone recently who was like, you know, I want to get better at walking and driving. What exercises should I do? First of all, it's not cookie cutter prescriptive. Body scanning is always going to be a really useful place to, to start and end and always come home to because when we drop pause and body scan, we learn to get really honest about what I'm sensing and feeling in the body. For people who do have trauma, which is probably a lot of people on this call experiencing these type of symptoms, um, we need to learn how to feel the body again. Um, and we need to learn how to feel safe in the body. And part of the Rocksteady process is learning how to come home to this refuge and this sanctuary that is our body. It's our home. But quite often we're stuck up in the head here and we're analyzing and we're thinking and we're looking for fixes and we're looking for relief and we're looking for machines and we're looking for pills and we're looking for something that will just get rid of it instead of coming home to the body and saying, okay, body, you're giving me this signal. I honor your intelligence. I can see that, you know, you know what's going on here, body. You've got this. I trust you. And we begin to strengthen our relationship to ourself, to our body. We begin to stop asking for external solutions and external guidance. And we say, okay, I want to drive. I want to walk. This was the email question. Well, body, what do you need to feel comforted, grounded, and supported so that when you walk, you feel really solid, so that when you drive, you feel really centered? And we end up creating a daily practice that builds those neural synaptic pathways, strengthens them, makes them much more front and center in our awareness so I can sit behind the wheel and I've got strategies and tools to help me feel comforted, grounded, centered, alive, alert, connected safe right you can have five people all doing that all with different skills and tools because we have to understand the nuance of our body and we have to meet ourselves wherever we are um so there's lots of questions coming through someone said can i have a one-on-one -on -one with you prior to the rock city program there is an initial consultation bundle if you want to look into that um, and I'll send an email out later with some information about getting scholarships. If you've got financial duress, we've got a really generous scholarship program for the Rocksteady community. It's global. We've got people from third world countries and war affected areas, and it's a very inclusive community um, culturally and a huge amount of diversity. So I'll send an email with a link to the Rocksteady program and some information on applying for a scholarship and we'll offer financial aid where we can. Um, and in that, you'll see there's a link to a bundle. If you want to have a one-on-one -on -one session with me prior to the Rocksteady program, you can purchase that together. I don't offer one-on-one -on -one programs to folks who are not in my program. It's just unique for participants of the program. Um, a lot of questions sort of about why does this affect me? Why does that affect me? Yawning, barometric pressure, you know. This is all part of you to stop and pause and listen to your body. I want to open up, so we're all nuanced basically, and a lot of it's related to our relationship to the world around us and the world within us. When we feel safe and when we trust our capacity and our resourcing, we tend to not have a dramatic 
or reactive, emotionally reactive response. You know, we can feel the pressure building up in the weather environment or we can yawn and notice there's all sorts of different changes to my sounds in the body and we don't really think anything of it. We just let it be there. We let it pass and we don't hook onto it. When we're caught up in these trauma patterns of overly trying to solve problems and trying to be something that we think we should be rather than just being who we are in the moment, right? Whatever I am in this moment, I am. Whatever I feel in this moment, I feel. Whatever I hear in this moment, I hear. Can I create loving space for that without judging myself? So a lot of these questions you're asking in the chat box actually become unimportant because they're feeding the problem. So part of it is about working in a different way, using more of that right brain, accessing more of the brain, changing the way our brain is wired and changing the way we process these sound sensitivities and sounds. So I've had a few questions around different types of tinnitus. Um, someone's asked a question about Botox and no, I can't really comment on Botox, but again, that's seeking that external fix. So when you put yourself out into the world, looking for an external fix, rather than going in and changing your own neural pathways, you're really entering a different space. And the question would be where, how do I retain my power? So the only Botox um, examples I've seen have been with migraine people and none of them have had great results, but I haven't seen enough people to really um, comment holistically. So I've, I've never seen um, a migraine person do well with Botox in the long term, maybe temporary relief, but it, it comes back worse than ever and is very disappointing for them. What do I mean by a trauma pattern? A trauma pattern is when the nervous system is dysregulated and it gets caught in a dysregulated pattern of fight, flight, or freeze. And what we're learning to do is to regulate our nervous system so it comes back into optimal firing and we're present. How do we know that we're present, that we're not in the future? So anxiety and fight, flight, freeze tend to be associated with being futurizing. What if out there? Lots of stories. It's very scary, but none of it's real. Or we go into the past about how we think it should be, how we were, we ruminate on what's happened and we fight, flight, freeze because we're not actually present with our body. When you touch your body or poke your body, you can't do that tomorrow and you can't do it yesterday. Like when you're in touch with your body, you're literally present. And that's where body scanning is giving us that, that skill set to redirect ourselves back into the present moment and to not be futurizing or ruminating in the past and getting the nervous system caught up into fight, flight, freeze, where the nervous system is trying to cope with imaginary dangers. So a trauma pattern is that looping cycle of trying to mitigate and a false alarm, a life-threatening situation that is a story and is fictional. It's not reality in the present moment. And a lot of the Rocksteady program will teach you how to live in the present moment guided by your body rather than living up here in the head where it's dictated by a lot of assumptions, judgments, delusions, and illusions. So yeah, I hope that answered the question. Um, great. Um, so I've got, I've got a beautiful little something in here from TJ and TJ, if you feel like you want to come on live, I'd love you to speak live. So TJ said the program helped me enormously with tinnitus I stopped with my doctor taking antidepressants. I'm sleeping without a sound machine. I sleep deeply all night. I released a lot of trauma patterns from my body. I changed my relationship to myself. And I think that is the common 
outcome of the Rocksteady program, people go through it and say, I've actually started this program for my symptoms, but I've gone through this program with a totally new relationship to myself. It's changed every aspect of my life. And they don't expect that, but this is where changing our brain and changing our neural patterns has such a widespread effect on every relationship, but it starts with ourselves. So TJ goes on, I am at present with one eye inside my body and one eye outside in the world, no more drama in life, much more flow. I've trusted my body and trust in life. Start with the body scan. Thank you, Joey. Great. That's beautiful. So, um, yeah, so I, I get questions all the time on what about tinnitus maskers and what about noise-induced, oh, sorry, noise-canceling headphones. The Rocksteady program will guide you to understand what's going to work for you. It's all about regulating your nervous system. If you desire to use noise-canceling headphones and it makes you feel good, you like it. You know, it's like some people like to listen to bird sounds, which would be me. I like bird sounds. I'm not doing it to get rid of my symptoms. I'm listening to bird sounds because I like birds. It relaxes me. You know, if I feel a bit dysregulated, sitting out in the garden and attuning to the sound of insects and birds is very settling for my nervous system. It grounds me. So it's, it's about your intention. If you're using a tinnitus masker because you like it, you love it, you enjoy it. It's like opera to you. It's beautiful. Go ahead and do that. Give your brain that joy and just relish in the neurotransmitter chemical cocktail of joy that you get when you listen to your tinnitus masker. If you love it, right? That's coming from a place of love and joy and you will have the corresponding brain areas active and the corresponding brain chemicals released that come back to safety, joy, love, curiosity, groundedness, right? If you're using your tinnitus masker or your noise cancelling headphones to get rid of tinnitus because you don't like it because you're uncomfortable and you can't support that discomfort and you want to disconnect and numb out, you're perpetuating fight, flight, freeze because the tinnitus masker or the medication or whatever other crutch we're choosing to use, the Botox, the headphones, the headset, they're actually a form of fight, flight and freeze, right? We're trying to avoid we're trying to get rid of, we're trying to run away from, we're fighting it. So any decision you make that comes back to getting rid of, feeling broken, trying to problem solve and fix, you're probably perpetuating at some level fight, flight, freeze, trauma pattern. When you're coming from desire, joy, love, and you're moving towards something you want to feel and hear, you're building new neural pathways and you're really starting to engage in that rock steady process. Um... Musical tinnitus. There's all sorts of different types of um, tinnitus, honestly, and there's and they're all normal. They're all normal. High ones, loud ones, moving ones, cracking ones, rumbling ones. So long as you've had medical um, clearance, it's all completely safe just to continue the path of rock steady. Um, just looking to see if I heard back from TJ. So someone said, when it comes to acoustic trauma, focusing on our desired sensations supposed to make reaction to the sound softer eventually. Yes. So it changes your, your relationship to yourself, your trust in your body. And a lot of people with tinnitus are afraid of music 
And they might be like, I'm a musician, I'm afraid to play or I'm afraid to go to a concert. And they will have huge healing when they actually get out and play their instrument and go to that concert. And obviously the Rocksteady process gives you the trauma sensitive tools to do that gently and carefully so you don't flood the system. And by flood the system, I mean you go into a very dramatic version of fight, flight, freeze, and it 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 it, it just wipes us out basically. We have to very gently approach these changes and build these neural pathways. Um, someone's mentioned eye floaters and visual disturbances. That is so incredibly common in this community. The eyes, the ears, and the brain have lots of little neural pathways that are intimately connected, and we cover visual vertigo quite extensively in our monthly Rocksteady calls. So if you choose to become a member of the Rocksteady community, you get the six modules, which are absolutely loaded with supportive resources and tools and education to help you explore what is going to help you change your brain. You get the community access to the monthly calls, and there's a huge archive of all the replays you can listen to where people are asking your questions. I've been doing these live calls since 2018. There are lots of group Q&A calls and you'll be amazed at how people ask the very questions you want to ask. Um, and my members will often say, you know, the the live monthly calls or the replays of the calls um, are just life-changing because it's not just an educational process. It's a community. It's a belonging. And that helps us to change our brain, having a sense of belonging and connectedness. Great. So I don't think we've. Um, yeah. So someone just said, can it pass if I have an acoustic trauma? It's all reversible. Cause remember these are neural pathways going, traveling between the ears, the brainstem and the auditory cortex, and they're all changeable and movable. So nothing is forever and nothing is stuck. And I think the one thing that we can rely on, the one certainty we have is change. So the tinnitus sounds or the sound sensi sensitivity, et cetera, the symptoms are very likely to change. The question is, are they going to amplify and get worse because we don't change our relationship to them and we don't learn how to use neuroplasticity or to engage in um, addressing and approaching trauma? Or are they going to change in a way that softens them, that warms us, that grows us, that helps us ground and steady etc so i think change is something we can expect and rely on the question is in what way will it change um someone said can you offer an idea of what to do other than focusing on tinnitus in a quiet room the rocksteady program gives you lots and lots of skills and tools there's bonus audios there's pep talks you know get into the body get into the body would be and get to know yourself, get to know what lights you up. You know, do you love staring at cute, fuzzy cat pictures? Like it can be very nuanced, but you need to know yourself because when we look at cute, fuzzy cat pictures, if that makes you goo and gar and makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, that activates a part of your brain that you want active. It takes you out of the fight, flight, freeze, dysregulated state, and it puts you into the warm, fuzzy connection. You know, for me, I've got children at times they might be highly dysregulating because they're, I've got a three-year-old and a one and a half-year-old and there's a lot of demanding and sometimes it's everyone's demanding everything at once and I cannot get everyone's needs met in that moment. And if I'm not grounded in myself and if I'm not able to stay with the discomfort and the reality that I can't get everyone's needs met in that moment, 
it could be very dysregulating for me. So we have to have skills and tools to understand what regulates me. You know, do I want to give my kids a cuddle because that's very regulating? You know, some of the three major things we need as humans is, is movement, touch, um, and obviously food and air, etc. But often we forget that movement and touch are vital for our humanity. And sometimes holding ourselves, you know, learning how to hold ourselves, which we have exploration of in the Rocksteady program, or learning to ask for cuddles and connection instead of talking it through can really get us into different parts of the brain, specifically the prefrontal cortex and more of that right hemisphere of the brain. Someone said, do we need hearing protection in cinemas? My goodness, when I saw Top Gun, I actually had my Apple watch on and I was measuring and it was dangerously loud and I complained. So normally I would say, no, cinemas are very safe, but I mean, yeah, if it's too loud for you, I didn't know there's no harm in wearing earplugs because if you desire to go to the movie, you want to go out, it's bringing you love and joy, but you just feel like it's uncomfortably loud, you can protect yourself with earplugs for sure. Um, and I wish I had earplugs for watching Top Gun. It was way too loud and it was extremely uncomfortable. And I had to use my skills and tools to stay grounded and centered and to not escalate into that drama or fight, flight, freeze. Um. Someone's talking about hearing a word hum. Um, sounds almost like just the general hum in the environment. I'm not really sure what your question is, but yes, lots of people hear the hum in the environment. And there is a, a 50 hertz hum that's just everywhere and it, it's carrying all our electrical signals. And some people I think can hear that. Um, a loud rock concert, daddy, daddy, daddy. Should you always avoid loud noises? to prevent further hearing damage. It's remember fight, flight, freeze is, you know, when we start to look at ways of avoiding, we're probably really coming from trauma patterns. It's how do I move closer to the discomfort gently and safely? So if you want to go to cinemas and concerts, just use appropriate hearing protection. And if you don't know what that is, go talk to an audiologist and get the appropriate hearing protection for your ears so that you can be super confident there's going to be no further damage and you can go out and enjoy life everywhere because you just keep them in your pocket. So it's about moving closer to the discomfort. You know, I've got this uncomfortable sound or sensation or feeling. I'll stop the screen share now. You know, if we've got this uncomfortable sound sensation or feeling in our, in our head, in our ears, in our body, how do we move closer to that discomfort? How do we stay present with ourselves rather than trying to have a host of skills and tools to run away from it? to fight it, to tell ourselves it shouldn't be here, it shouldn't be like this, or to freeze and numb, which is, you know, medicating, taking alcohol, eating sugar, that's numbing ourselves from the experience. Or even just having a really busy calendar. So we're flat out busy all day long and we never stop to be present. The problem is, is if we're not present with ourselves, we can't be present with other people. If we're not at home in our body, we can't in our nervous system connect to other people because we're too dysregulated, we're too absent. And that's where our body is going to scream at us louder to call us home because the body wants us to be present with it. Um, yeah, so someone's made a really valid comment, which was, I think as people living with tinnitus, we are over-noticing things. We are hypervigilant about our brains and bodies. Yes, and that can be turned into a positive because we can start to become 
um, you know, I say this to my clients with OCD, which is there's quite a few people in our community with obsessive compulsive disorder. I say to them, you can shift that into a super skill where you begin to become hypervigilant and obsessive about what lights you up, about what grounds you, about what comforts you. And you just study it, get really intensely focused on those desired sensations that will become your most robust neural networks when you put a PhD into them. When we stop focusing on what we don't want and we start to teach the brain to allocate neural resources and build new neural synapses in those sensations of feeling centered, grounded, calm, relaxed, connected. When we start to shift the narrative and become hypervigilant over there, we get really incredible changes to our brain. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point too. You can do the rock steady program over and over and over again. The first time you do it will probably be quite superficial. You go through, you, you sort of read things, you try things and you, you semi get it. You might not really understand it. The second time around, you'll go much more deeply. You'll hear more detail. You'll understand more nuance. You'll have more of an understanding of, of the types of exercises and perhaps where your challenges are and where your weaknesses are and how you can really gently support yourself to stay present when you're uncomfortable. And, you know, some people the first time around might be like, no way, I am not trying that exercise. That just seems like a waste of time. I don't like that. The second time around, we might say, you know what, that really uncomfortable one, I'm going to make that, I'm going to really gently move towards that. I'm going to build that skill set. Um, Great. Yeah, beautiful. Someone said, I don't avoid concerts or parties and I do wear hearing protection. And I would say that is a very reasonable, um, very reasonable way to move forwards because we do want to protect our ears and protect our hearing really at all costs. Such a, I mean, I love studying the cochlea and the inner ears. It's such a magnificent machinery, you know, mechanism. It's definitely worth protecting. Um, beautiful. Lydia said, this all resonates for me. Embracing the unrest and dysregulation within my body has been vital and feeling more connected to my body, not just living in my head. Neuroplasticity really works. Thank you, Joey. And Lydia, let me know if you want to come on live. I wouldn't mind just bringing at least one person on live before we end the call. Uh, Someone said, should we get off medications to so this? You know, it's not my job to tell you what to do to your body. I always say, find a, a medical professional, a doctor who resonates with you philosophically and who will support you to gently wean off medications. These are not conditions that need medications. The medications are generally for something else, such as, you know, anxiety and or whatever. Once we have the skills and tools to stay with the discomfort and to stay in the body rather than run away from ourselves, we don't need the medications because we can have a hard day. We can have a very challenging job redundancy or the partner gets diagnosed with something really scary and our life feels like it's flipped upside down and falling apart. We have the skills and tools to move through incredibly challenging life stages. So these skills of Rocksteady are so much more than about symptom resolution it's an entirely new way of life. Christine says, I did the Rocksteady program for dizziness with great success. Then I had a neck injury, which brought on hyperacusis. Sorry to hear that. I found it difficult to drop into my body for body scans because I would always use music to help me drop in and be present. 
when I was using it for dizziness. Suggestions for helping me to drop into the body scan now with noise sensitivity. Well, I would just play an experiment and be really open. You know, you might want to start by sitting in the garden and listening to bird sounds and insect sounds, but really tapping through using module two and tapping through that belief that the sounds are dangerous. They're not dangerous. You know, really lovingly hold your jaw and, and, and bring that sense of comfort to the body as you gently, gently expose yourself to music you love. Obviously start soft. You might want to put the speakers away from you so it doesn't feel too intrusive or too much. And just slowly work to build it up. You know, you can body scan in the car. You can body scan beside the street. You can body scan in the lounge room while your household's just moving about you. Just learn to integrate slowly and gently. And, you know, if there's music that you love to listen to, just keep listening to it. It's uncomfortable, but stay with it. Stay lovingly supporting yourself. So long as you're not out of your window of tolerance and flooding, which means you're no longer in your body, you're not present, you can't sense and feel, you're just freaking out and you've abandoned, there's a dissociation sort of um, potentially going on. When we're flooded, we feel completely helpless, hopeless, dramatic. When we're regulated about dealing with a challenge such as hyperacusis, listening to music, body scanning, when we're present and challenged and gently comforting and supporting ourselves we're still regulated and that's building our window of tolerance you learn more about this in the rocksteady program that builds our window of tolerance so it's really important to stay with the discomfort gently in a supported fashion so i hope that answers your question we definitely don't want to avoid the discomfort for a prolonged period of time it's fine to take a break or just say not right now but we want to give the brain that exposure in loving awareness in loving witness with curiosity um great i think we're coming towards the end of this call there is a real grief that comes with these conditions someone's just put in here i miss my previous life i want my life back you know these are these are the stories and this is often where we start interestingly these profound, elusive, invasive, debilitating, invisible symptoms can be the calling that brings us home to our body to discover a life we never knew existed, that we become stronger, we become more alive, more awake, more connected. We learn to deeply interpret the messages of our bodies rather than externalizing them, saying they shouldn't be there and trying to get somebody else to fix them or deal with it. We learn how to be gracefully uncomfortable and how to quieten ourselves, how to reassure and comfort our body. Coming back to the trauma story, and we don't have time on this call to go there, but I think it's worth mentioning. Many of us have not had parents who were able to be highly attuned to us and to, to reassure and comfort us in our deepest moments of needs, needs perhaps particularly in utero and in those you know early seven years of life and because we haven't necessarily had that role modeling or that felt sense of someone really warmly holding us and reassuring us it can be just very confusing about what I'm like what is this thing Joey's talking about you know don't I just sort of calm down smile and get on with it which is that diminishing and dismissing of our inner world and our sensations and our emotional world 
And so there's a lot of sadness and grief that comes with the loss of the life as we knew it. We've got these symptoms. We feel restricted, isolated, withdrawn. We feel helpless, hopeless, powerless, and we're grieving the loss of who we think we were. And it's important to go through that grieving process. It's important to learn to ride the waves of emotion with healthy sense of ground and solidness. This helps us build our window of tolerance and strengthen our nervous system so that we can come out the other side, build new neural pathways, develop what the heck this thing of warmth and comfort and reassurance and compassion, what is it? Especially if we haven't felt it, so we don't have that neural construct yet. Um, and that's not our parents' fault. That could just be they they don't know what it is. So, you know, you might get a pat on the shoulder or a there, there, and off you go. But there's no sense of warmth and patience and compassion and understanding where those nervous systems are communicating and holding each other, which is co-regulation. Um, so there is, there's a lot going on here behind the scenes that could go all the way back through family, uh, generational trauma, collective trauma, environmental traumas of not feeling safe in the world, climate change. There's so much going on behind the scenes and the way our bodies interpret and process traumas present differently. And for, for people in my community, it's often errors in and around the ear and the brain system. For other people, it could be skin disorders, you know, or digestive disorders. So we all, we all process it and it shows up differently. But the process of coming home to the body and deeply listening um, is the same. Someone said, can grieving contribute to tinnitus? Absolutely. This is the body calling us home. The body's saying, let feel me. I need to feel through this chemical transition. I'm really, really sad. And I talk about that in my book. You know, it took me four years of fighting and running away from my sadness to feel the deep grief and sadness that my brother had broke his neck and become a quadriplegic. You know, in my family system, I felt that I had to be strong and cheerful and hold it together and educate everybody about neuroplasticity and, you know, the hopes for his future. And it took me four years of fighting my own sadness and grief to surrender to it and just go, you know what? I'm really sad. He's never going to walk again. He's never going to hike again. He's never going to ski again. It's just, it's heartbreaking. And I had to go through the grips of feeling that. And you know what? It felt good. I'd spent four years avoiding it. And when I actually got real and connected to my body in my own quiet space, it felt really good to be authentic. And this Rocksteady process teaches us how to be authentic more often. An authentic connection to ourselves doesn't mean calm and doesn't mean happy. Authentic connection to ourselves means if I'm panicking and grieving, I'm supporting myself as I panic and grieve. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm not trying to medicate it. I'm not trying to run away. I'm authentically there for myself. I'm nurturing myself and I'm the best friend I need in that moment. And that feels good because we feel capable. We feel confident we feel that we have capacity and we're resourced to hold ourselves through the darkest moments and these are skills for life and it's a process a very gentle process to learn how to be that for ourselves it's not going to happen overnight um all right the the chat box is just firing away i think i'm going to pause the chat box for now um Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. It's a beautiful community to be a part of. Um, the Rocksteady community, it's changed my life. Um, I had, just looking back through the chat box. 
I just want to check out TJ did you want to speak live I didn't get to follow through I'll just open the chat box up for you let me know if you want to speak live TJ <clears throat> yeah beautiful Christine said thank you so much for the response help me so much you're right there you're right music that I love holding myself with compassion while listening what a great idea okay it's no from TJ Jose all right I'm not sure if it's Josie or Jose but we'll find out and then here we go see if you can unmute yourself Yose, okay. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Did you want to speak a little bit about your experience and um Yes. Of... Uh, yeah, because uh, I posted uh it was about a year ago uh, on the Facebook group that I uh, posted all my progress and I was really you know a bit on cloud 9. <laughs> yeah. And then there was COVID and after that uh, I've had um, a nerve blocked in my shoulder, which was very, very painful. So that was a bit of a setback. Um, but apart from that, uh, you know, um, I was really at a low point. Uh, I had chronic pain, hyperacusis, uh, dizziness. Uh, I was always um, suffering from... Um, yeah, having my uh, central nervous system, you know, <laughs> really uh, in a, yeah, in, it's about, you know, in a too high a gear. Yeah. Um, and it felt so strange because I really, uh, rationally, I really understood your point of view <laughs> with allocating all the uh, neurological activity uh, to avoiding that really uh, emphasizes it so then i decided to sit in a quiet room <laughs> because i really understand all the questions about that mm. and do a body scan and feel my feet and really talking myself into uh, taking the courage to listen to the sounds and convince myself this is not a threat it's not a problem and that that was a hard thing to do but it works. And from that, I, uh, yeah, I really got into the Rocksteady tools. But that yeah. very first start, being willing to listen to the sounds, that was, uh, yeah, that really marked something. Yeah, and that's, it's very courageous. And I think it's important to say it's okay if you don't, you or anyone listening, it's okay if you don't feel like doing that today or right now. There's always, you can try again in 10 minutes. You know, you can try again later on to just be really gentle. And that these part of our brain that's caught in the trauma loops, it doesn't speak English. So we can't <laughs> talk to it and say, just stop it. Just, you know, come on, it's safe, get over it. There has to be more of that right brain felt sense, which is probably mm -hmm. touch, learning how to, comfortably touch ourselves and I remember when I first tried this kind of support of hand on my belly or hand on my chest or it just felt so foreign it did not feel comforting at all it, mm. it was a journey of me learning how to receive touch and receive comfort and those touch proprioceptive pathways which we strengthen a lot in rocksteady through our body scanning they are calming for the brain because the touch sensations you know this is saying to my brain yep well I'm not in a flood right now I'm not in a bushfire. 
I'm not in an electrical storm. I'm not in a tribal fight. I'm not in a life-threatening, imminent, right now, dangerous situation. I'm actually sitting down. I'm on a call talking to Yose and I'm okay. You know, I might be feeling perhaps a bit nervous or a bit excited to connect with a member. There might be a lot of feelings and emotions, but I'm very, I'm, I'm secure. And I, this feeling here on the skin really helps the brain sort of go, okay, <laughs> register. Because remember, if we're in a flood or we're drowning, we're wet. We feel wet. So the brain is actually using those skills and tools. And for my clients with dizziness, as we're, I'm sitting cross-legged at the moment, as we're grounded into our pelvis, we actually pick up on like, am I leaning towards the right so much that I'm going to fall over? Well, no, I've got weight on both my left and right sitting bone. You know, I can feel my shoulders are above my hips and I have that proprioceptive input that's saying to my body, I'm safe right now. I'm not going to fall over. I'm connected. I'm centered. And then as we come away from obsessing over the sounds, and yes, it is definitely lovely to move towards the discomfort with gentleness. It's not a fight. It's a, it's like we want to invite them over for a cup of tea and get curious, say hello, talk to them. And we have these skills and tools through our Rocksteady program, create a new dialogue, um, but to also stay connected to the body so we're not overly focusing on the sounds and most importantly, we're not white knuckling through and forcing ourselves to stay there and it's uncomfortable and I hate it and I'm judging myself and it shouldn't be this way and why am I like this and everybody else can do it and I'm a failure, but I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to force myself because I am just a really bad crap person that got this whole dialogue and we're just tense and we're white knuckling. That's likely to lead to a dysregulated flood where the nervous system has too much fight, flight and freeze going on. And it's unhelpful. It's just not helpful to white knuckle and force and push. There has to be this gentle process of kindness and ease guiding every decision and what that might look like in reality and perhaps you could speak to this if you want, you say, but what it might look like in reality is pausing in a quiet room to sit and be with the discomfort with some kind of level of touch and support, whether it's a big warm blanket or your back rested against a wall. So you, you're resourcing yourself with safety and support in the body and you're consciously going to give three breaths, which might be <laughs> 10 seconds where you stay present, curious and loving towards the sounds and after your three breaths, you get up and get back on with your life. You don't stay there. You don't push through it. You don't, you don't make it more painful than it needs to be. It's a gentle exposure. And just like any friendship, it starts small. And then we get to know ourselves over time and we get to trust each other. And that's essentially what we're doing with our ears, our brain, our body, our sounds, our touch. Um, we're, we're totally rewiring the body to be much more friendly, loving, kind, gentle with ourselves. Do you, anything yeah, I can really um, relate to that because uh, for the people who haven't uh, purchased the program yet, I think the word program, um, it's, not, it's not like a kind of training. You have to do this 10 times a day for about 15 minutes. It's not like that. So for me personally, um, I really decided I wanted to... Um, treat my nervous system uh, you know I have uh, crafted this kind of menu like in a restaurant so mm -hmm. I've I really thought about what 
things can I choose to regulate my nervous system? So I stopped watching the news. I stopped uh, watching, um, uh, you know, movies or ser- series uh, that, that are, you know, really stimulating. Uh, you know, sometimes when I want to go to sleep, I watch an episode of Golden Girls because <laughs> that really calms me down instead of, uh, you know, something that's very high in energy. And um, I think for me, the biggest, I always almost wanted to say uh, mind fuck, but I'm not sure <laughs> if it is one. Um, for me to really uh, um, turn the volume of this tinnitus sounds, turn it down, the only way for me was not to focus on sounds. And that is so hard to imagine when you're not mm. sleeping and when you're really consumed by everything, something took over my body and my brain and that I, I wanted to get rid of it. Mm. So in order to, um, uh, to change the relationship uh, with my body in a broader sense, you know, I crafted this menu with... Uh, Uh, going for a walk in nature, uh, making music, listening to music was quite hard because I also had this uh, uh, kind of, you know, the sounds were also distorted. So that, yeah. Hyperacusis. Yes. And and, hmm? well, it's, it's just, it's a real softening of our expectations because it also reminds me of people with visual vertigo or visual distortions. Um, they can get very paranoid about wanting clarity and no blur and stable vision, but actually we have to learn to accept some blur just as with hyperacusis for a period of time, we might have to accept some gentle distortions or discomfort as we're transitioning back to normal hearing. So it's like having those expectations or actually throwing expectations out the window. I hear what I hear and I see what I see. How can I be loving and accepting and gentle toward that? That is a lifelong practice, right? Because we're almost brainwashed to fight ourselves to freeze to flee like that's the role modeling that's what we're taught to do in school we're 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 taught to dismiss what we feel to not listen to the body and to medicate and blah 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 so we're really challenging these these massive cultural norms and Mm -hmm. we're shifting gentle loving attention toward ourselves when it's hard and we're staying with the discomfort instead of running away from it but we're really honest about not flooding, which we have that understanding of regulating the nervous system. Um, there was something I wanted to speak to. So there's a lot of different exercises in the Rock City program. Some of them are directly in the body. Some of them are more emotional and spiritual, looking at our beliefs. Some of them are just educational, learning about the nervous system. But as Yose is mentioning, you get full permission to do whatever you want, whenever you want. If you don't feel like something and it feels traumatic or dysregulating for you, no problem. You're in control. Just don't use that, right? It's about knowing yourself, knowing your nuanced body and experience and choosing, you know, I feel like I need to get better at having confidence and feeling grounded. So for all of this week, I'm going to stand really wide with my legs apart, hands on my hips or hands on my center. I'm going to lift my chin up, open my chest, and I'm going to really stimulate that neural fiber network of standing tall and strong and confident and I'm going to learn what that feels like I'm going to relearn what it feels like I'm going to play with it I'm going to explore it the more we fire neural neural sensations and the more we get to know how to stimulate them the stronger they get the more profound they are 
and then the more central and accessible they are. And as we try all the different types of exercises, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, we act, we access different parts of the brain. So coming back to um, Yosei's um, comment about identifying triggers and things that are dysregulating, I just want to clarify, we're not talking about avoidance. It's more, I think, a sort of a, a cost-benefit analysis of your own life where it's like, I'm the same. I don't really use social media. I don't listen to the news. I'll sometimes listen to the news in the car or on the radio or something, but I let my husband give me worldly updates because that's a much more gentle way for me to stay connected to the world, have a nice conversation with him. It's more regulating for my nervous system. Whereas I don't really want to listen to the news. It does put me in a spin. You know, it, it can overwhelm me with information I don't want to process and I don't need. It's not about avoiding something I want to do. It's about honestly saying, I don't need to listen to the news. It's not my cup of tea. I'm just going to choose to do things that are more regulating for my nervous system. And in this example, it was ask my husband, hey, anything in the news that's worth sharing with me? And we can have a nice sort of connection and conversation that way. And I'm getting exposure to the news and to world uh, politics or whatever that might interest me. But it's it's coming at my pace. So just, just to, I get this question a lot, you know, when am I going gently and proceeding carefully and supporting myself? And when am I pushing through and avoiding, you know, there's all these fine lines. And I think there's no clean answer. And the only way to know is by experimenting, by being gentle, by always having that kind of body scan sandwich, which is a, a trick I talk about in the Rocksteady program of, you know, do something that's calming, regulating and grounding, such as a body scan, then have exposure to a challenging event or activity where you're building new neural pathways and it's a bit unfamiliar or tricky, challenging. And then when you reach your capacity for that moment, come back to a grounding centering body scan etc so you've got that um always coming home to a regulated system any last words you say we're going to end the call in a moment yes i think um in our modern society we're really focused on uh i think you call it a soldiering on you know it's quite common to work hard to achieve yeah. things and if it's not right you fix it and you solve it and you really put a big effort in it yeah and i think um you know i was at a very low point a few years ago and uh reading comments i think many people shared that experience and yeah, yeah. it feels a bit uh well, I can really understand that people have this need for very um, uh, concrete, uh, you know, these very uh, uh, exact piece. Yes, and exact pieces of advice. But um, to me, the big change was really allowing myself to uh, uh, to find pleasure in a lot of things and to take the pressure off things. And um, you know, it's still a bit vague. <laughs> but no, that's, that's that's quite concrete yeah. and that's really supported by the neuroscience the more we can allow ourselves to stop the goose chase for external answers or external advice to try and get rid of this thing that we're telling ourselves we shouldn't sense or feel which is a version of self-shaming and self-attacking actually when mm -hmm. we can let that go or let it just gently sit aside 
and we can start to actually allow ourselves permission to feel pleasure and just to eat an apple and just enjoy the flavor and to sit outside and enjoy the clouds passing by and to slow down life, right? And to be less productive, go, 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 run, 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 and to be more settled and grounded and connected to our breath, to our community, to ourself, to nature, to animals, you know, yes, we're going to feel more. We're going to unfreeze. We're going to get a roller coaster of grief and sadness simultaneously with the self-compassion and the comfort, right? And they go hand in hand. We're going to experience our humanity. We're going to feel more alive. We're going to let the emotions move through us, pulse through us, vibrate through us, and there won't be that story. We'll just be able to feel it. Um, it's it, it really is an incredibly brave and courageous path. Um, but I think most of our Rock City community members, and you've almost spoken to this yourself, you say, it's like it becomes more painful and more difficult to stay stuck in symptoms and feel so isolated, lonely, helpless, hopeless, powerless, that it becomes easier to do the brave thing, to start the Rocksteady program and to start exploring pleasure and to start changing and to start trusting in our body little by little because the alternative is just so devastating. And I think it's really beautiful that we're coming together to share this intention of coming home to the body, to be our own refuge, to be our own sanctuary, to be our own best friend, our own mentor, our own therapist, our own parent. We're learning to really come home to all of our wholeness from a secure, stable, available adult place. You know, we're learning to really be resourced and have our capacity and really come home to our strengths which we could go on and on because meeting our strengths is really means meeting our vulnerabilities. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful, rich, profound process. I'm going to end the call here. Yose, thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to hear from someone in our community. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And really uh, for all the people now um, joining this call, really read the book (laughs) Get the free resources and invest in yourself uh, if you're uh, able to, because uh, it enriched my life. So, yeah, in so many ways, uh, I really would like that to happen for other people. Yeah. So thank you. Then my pleasure. Uh, There's no doubt about it. The Rocksteady program is is game changing. it's the gift that keeps on giving the skills and tools I have learned through developing the Rocksteady program, which is a very intuitive process for me. And I built it because I noticed people needed something. They were being given sort of physiotherapy or psychology or little, little bits here and there, but nothing was integrated or making sense. And they just kept coming back to where they began. You know, there was nothing that was really helping them knit together some kind of ongoing long-term solution. And the Rocksteady program became this this hub, this community, this space where we can have the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual exploration all in one place. And where we learn to be very much guided by our body's wisdom rather than hating our body's symptoms. It's a complete paradigm shift. And as I've given birth to my babies, as I've entered motherhood, and as I've continued navigating what it means to have an online community and a career and juggling being human and being married, the Rocksteady skills have really helped me be gentle, have reflective skills, 
be aware, be kind to myself, be patient, have boundaries, you know, to enable me to reach my level of capacity I'm capable of without flooding. And the other thing I wanted to say is people might think, how do I not think about the sounds? The Rocksteady program literally gives you those skills. As you learn to body scan, you learn to to take control over where you focus. You actually get attentional skills, which means you're not stuck focusing where there's a bright, shiny object or a loud sound. You choose where you focus. You actually get that power back. So we might end the call there. Thank you so very much. Thank you to everyone who's contributed to the chat box. Lovely to hear from you live, Yose. I'm Joey Remini. Visit my website at seekingbalance.com.au. If you want to meet with me and speak with me, the only way to do that is to get the Rocksteady bundle, which includes an initial consult call. Um, for those of you who need financial support, I'll send an email with the Rocksteady scholarship um, details for you to apply and we'd be happy to support you if you're in financial duress. So it's much love and a bye for now. I'll get the replay out shortly with the transcript. Bye for now.